0: Thanks for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. Our hope is that it helps you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Well, good morning, Christ Church. It's good to be here with you today. And uh, before we even start, first off, my name is Elijah Daly. if you're new here with us, and I get to be one of the ministers on staff. Um, But before we even jump in today, I want to let you know, we actually have um, our high school students getting ready to go to move today. So we're going to send up a couple hundred students up to Holland, Michigan, and they're gonna hear the gospel. And so I just wanna take a moment just as a church and just pray over them. We know that uh, the world ain't getting easier, is it? But we also know the medicine. And so I I just wanna pray for these students as they get ready to go hear the gospel that God would do a really incredible work there. So would you just pray with me for a moment for our students? Father God, we are just so grateful. That you have given us the ability and the resources to carry a bunch of students uh, away out of the distractions of of this local place and into, into a space where they can hear the gospel and just be with a community that can truly walk with them. God, we pray that it would be not just heard, but responded to, God, that it would embed truly deeply within their heart and soul that it would uh, provide life and goodness and truth that would carry them through the, the, the toughest moments, the hardest things, but also into the greatest joys. And God, we just pray that even today as we, as we listen to your word, that we would be changed by it, that we would become an example to all around us and that we are ourselves could become uh, an encouragement to those students as they return. Lord, we love you. It's in your son's name, Jesus, we pray it's through the power of your spirit, amen. Well, today we are are going to be looking at, going to be continuing through our series, Godly Wisdom for Godly Living. And this series, really, it's, it's meant to be just practical. Like, it's not meant to kind of blow your mind or have this big moment. Like, it's really just meant to look at what the Bible says, in particular, what the wisdom literature says in your Bibles. Like, the things that it gives you practical advice for and how to think well and feel well and live well in our everyday lives. And I think Drake has really done a great job emphasizing some of these practical steps and the aspects that, of really what make up how we can enjoy our, just our, our every, every day, every moment, and how we live and how we enjoy what God has put in our life. And today, what we're gonna talk about is suffering, how to think well, how to feel well, how to live well in suffering. And part of why this subject is so necessary to talk about is because we will all, if we haven't already, we will all suffer, all of us will. And so we know ultimately that suffering is the worst. Like nobody likes to suffer. In fact, our culture has been pretty good at like trying to avoid that at all costs. I'll be honest with you, I, I try to avoid it at all costs. I try to avoid sad movies if I can help it. You know what I mean? Like some movies that I'll never watch again my Girl, have you ever seen that movie? It is sad, all right? Pursuit of Happiness, that movie is just sad all the way to the very end. There's like a glimpse of hope and then it's over. It's like, this, that ain't worth it. I'm not gonna invest time. And I don't know about you, about you guys, but like sometimes I'll be like scrolling through the movies. You know, you, you guys know how it is. You're scrolling through, trying to find something to watch. You spend 15 minutes. I swear, it doesn't matter what like streaming service I'm on, I always pass Schindler's List. And the thought always enters my head, wow, what a great movie, I will never watch again because it is sad and it's long. It's like three hours of sadness, you know? You want to know another movie I haven't seen since the very first time I watched it? Passion of the Christ. Like, I'm sure that makes me a bad Christian, but y'all, that movie is sad and also long. You know what I mean? Like, I have a friend, he always jokes because he's like, you know, we all bought that movie. You know, we all have that movie, but it is still in the plastic wrap at my parents' house because this is not one you take out on a Friday night when you're trying to figure out what you're going to just, you know, hang out to because suffering and sadness are hard to deal with. We try to avoid them if we can do so. And that's what we're talking about today. The fact that as much as we can try to avoid it, it's just really difficult. So how do we actually live well when it when it happens, when it comes? How do we think well? How do we feel well? God addresses it. He gives us wisdom. He speaks about the source of our suffering, the experience of our suffering, and the redemption of our suffering. That's where we're going to go this morning, the source, the experience, the redemption. So where does suffering come from? Let's look at the source of our suffering. Now, what I love about the wisdom literature in our Bibles is that it gives us a vast spectrum of understanding when it comes to suffering. Proverbs says, do bad things, get bad things, do good things, get good things, right? Like listen to what it says in Proverbs 14, 14. The faithless will be fully repaid for their ways and the good rewarded for theirs. It's pretty straightforward. And this concept, it's found literally all over the place. Good people will generally live good lives. Like when you take care of yourself and your finances, your health, your relationships, you generally won't suffer. Like this is kind of a general understanding. Wise choices lead to comfort and convenience. But Job, Job rounds us out. Job says, but not always. So sometimes you can be faithful and you can be good and you can be righteous, but things still happen in your life that feel unbearably hard. And if we didn't have Job, man, we would be constantly living a works-based life. We'd be constantly thinking that our suffering is a result of our sin. But Job shows us that our world and our story is far more complex than that. We actually have an enemy that hates us, working against us, causing evil, but at the same time there's a God who loves us and he's using it for good. Now Psalms, Psalms is this mixed bag of emotions. Like it's generally someone who is on their knees because they need deliverance. They need deliverance from their own sin but they also need deliverance from others' sin, from a world of sin. Listen to what it says in Psalm 130, one through four. Out of the depths, I cried to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. See, sin and death are responsible. It's personal. It's inside. And it's corporate. It's out there. And it ultimately results in a world of brokenness. And so we see that like sin is part of what leads to suffering. And ultimately, what perpetuates a world of suffering. And so we see here this source of suffering. It's kind of complex. You know what I mean? Like it's not just one thing. But if there is a way to simplify it, If there's a way we can make this general statement about where suffering comes from, I think we can say this, that the source of suffering is sin. Sin breaks things. Sin pushes the bounds of what is possible. Now, when I was younger, we moved around probably more often than most people. And I remember when I was in the summer of my kindergarten year, I was going into first grade, we moved to Iowa. Iowa. And when we moved there, we moved into this apartment complex because we were still going to kind of wait to look at the the neighborhoods and the houses and just figure out where to to plant, you know. And I thought this was amazing. Like when we moved into this apartment complex, it had a pool, it had like a playground. And so like as a little six-year-old kid, I was like, man, I'm going to go out here and just play every day. That's what my sister and I would do. We'd go outside, we'd get on the playground, play around. There was this merry-go-round that we loved to play on. And you know, we'd get that thing spinning as fast as we could, you know. But then there was what we realized is that it was just far enough off the ground that we could actually crawl underneath and sit in the middle of it. And then our we would spin it as fast as we could, and then you know, we'd get out and the other person would have a turn. You know, we'd do this, go back and forth, back and forth. And I remember one time I climbed up in the middle of that thing, and my sister was spinning it around real fast, and then she stopped. And I said, All right, I'm getting out and I put my foot out to start to, to get out, and then she started spinning it again. And I'm thinking, know, oh, where this is going. Now I'm gonna give my sister the benefit of the doubt and just assume she didn't hear me, but my bone broke, right? Why? Because we weren't made to do that. Like our bodies weren't made for that. This is part of what we mean when we start to talk about, about sin. Sometimes when we think about sin, we think of God getting a rule book and writing down all the things that we have to do and how we're not allowed to have any fun unless we're laughing at how dumb the devil is, you know? But that's not what sin is. Sin is something far, far more than that. It's when we warp reality. It's when we take what is true and real and we change it to what it is not and will never be. And so it leads to suffering. Because the things we pursue simply weren't made to do that. Like you might wanna jump off a tree that's 100 feet tall, but your body wasn't made for that. You might want to eat 40 plates of brisket all in one sitting, but your body just simply wasn't made for that. And it can't do it in that way. And that's the thing with sin, it's not just what you can and can't do, it's also how you can or can't do something. Like you were made for sex, but in a very specific context. You were made for adventure, but in very specific opportunity. You were made for food, but in a specific way over a period of time. And this is what makes sin challenging. It's not always that we want bad things. In fact, that's what makes it so difficult, is most of the time we want good things. We just want them in the wrong ways. We want to sh- take shortcuts if possible. And so suffering is the result of sin. Proverbs shows us suffering when we are the ones who have sinned. Job shows us suffering when we are the ones who have been sinned against. And Psalm shows us both of these aspects, and it shows us a world broken by sin. And the psalmist collects all of this into a groan because the psalmist is in a state of despair because he is at all sides reminded of pain and suffering all around him, even inside of him, and it's sin. So as we navigate this question of suffering, as we have this, try to have godly wisdom within it, we have to ask this question, what is the source of my suffering? Why am I suffering? Is it the consequences of my brokenness? Is it the consequences of somebody else's brokenness? Or is it the consequences of a world of brokenness? You see, it's only when you can answer what the source of suffering is, can you really start to understand the experience of your suffering. So let's look at that. Let's look at the experience of our suffering. Now, while Job in Proverbs gives us wisdom into the source, I think Psalms is the real window into the experience. Listen to what Psalm 13 says. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. You see, with any experience, we have feelings and we have thoughts. And we see both of those things present here. And when we experience suffering, Both must be present. We must have both our feelings and our thoughts. Now, you can see at one level, his feelings are on full display. He isn't pulling any punches. Like, there's honesty here. There's vulnerability. He's being raw about exactly what he feels. He's telling God exactly what he's experiencing. He doesn't feel like he's there. He doesn't understand why God's taking so long. It doesn't feel like he cares. Like, when is God going to bring relief Listen to what he says in Psalm 13 too. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? He's wrestling with himself. And this is good. It's a good thing to wrestle. The danger is when you stop wrestling. The danger is, is when your experience, when you lean so deeply into your feelings that truth is totally forgotten. And our feelings can be dangerous all the time, but they can really be dangerous when we are suffering because of how blinding it can be. We can stop thinking at all about life and about others and about the future, and it can just become reduced to this present moment and our wounds and our hurt. Now on the other hand, it is just as equally dangerous to not deal with your feelings at all, to not be honest, to not be raw, to not be vulnerable. Scripture doesn't say just just remember God is good and stop feeling. Like just stop acting like that's a big deal because of eternity. That's not what scripture says. That's not what God's wisdom teaches us. Was it not Jesus who knew that his friend was going to die and also knew that he was going to raise him from the dead and yet still when attending his funeral wept? Feelings are a part of who we are. And the point is not that we ignore them, but that we align them with truth, and that takes wrestling. We have to wrestle. So what's the first move in this wrestle? Well, I think we see it. It's to just simply lay it all out there. Like, it is to be honest and vulnerable and raw. The Psalms are full of this. God is not scared to hear your complaints or your fears or your suspicions or your insecurities. He wants to hear those things. The question, how long, is a legitimate one. It's the hardest one. Because in suffering, time is the enemy. Every minute, every day, every week, every month, not knowing when this thing will finally end. It's debilitating. When will it be done? And once you've laid it out there, once you've given God all of it, now you are wrestling. Now you are inside the match. You've put out your feelings. Now you must take hold of the truth. What is the truth? And this is where the struggle begins, the back and forth push and pull between what you are presently feeling and what you know to be true. It is here you must come to the grips with the source. Why are you suffering? And of course we know that it is sin. But is it sin committed against you? Is it sin committed by you? Or is it sin around you? This is the heart of the wrestle. It's why, it's, it's why this is the most brutal part to come to grips with. It's the heart and soul of this battle. C.S. Lewis, Lewis describes this well in the Chronicles of, of Narnia. Have I ever told you guys I like those books? Those are good books. There's a book called The Magician's Nephew in this series. And there's a boy named Diggory. And he wakes up an evil witch. And he accidentally pulls this witch into this new world that Aslan the lion is creating. And it is an incredibly beautiful sight, as as Lewis describes what's happening here. The, The lion, Aslan, is dancing around. And he's singing this song. And with every syllable, something new comes into existence. And Diggory and the witch and those with him, they just, even the witch is taken back. They just watch as the beauty of this world is created by the song of Aslan And and what you need to know too is earlier in this book, Diggory's mom, she's dying of sickness. And so when Diggory sees Aslan and his power and his beauty, he says, surely this lion has something that can help heal my mother. And so when all of the creation is over, when they see all of it and they just see that it is good, he finished, cre- finishes creating the world and Diggory goes to the lion and he boldly asks if he can have a magical fruit that he can take back to his mother so that she can be healed. And Diggory, it says in the book that Diggory says, I was, I was, so, I was so hopeful, desperate for him to say yes, but I was horribly afraid that he would say no. And what happens is Aslan doesn't even, doesn't even respond. He he just ignores him. He speaks to all of the animals, all of the creatures around him, and he says, this is the boy. This is the one who let the witch in. And then he looks at Diggory, and he says, why did this happen? And Diggory starts to explain, head down, looking at these big, giant, fierce paws, and explaining, and as he does, he realizes that not only is he the reason that there is now evil in this world, but he doesn't believe that Aslan will give him anything to help his mother. Do you see his dilemma? Diggory not only comes to grip with his own sin, but now he comes to grip with the truth. Would Aslan even want to help him? He has sinned. You see, this is the most brutal part of this wrestle. It is understanding that suffering is from sin, and sin is from us. Now, I want to be sensitive here because we are oftentimes the victim of sin. We are oftentimes the victim of injustice. We are collateral damage in a broken world. But we must hold the truth close by. We are never just the victim. We are also, at times, the perpetrator. And this is why this is the real wrestle. Suffering is a window into our own soul. Suffering reveals not only that the world is not as it should be, but that we are not as we should be. And so we wrestle. We wrestle with the fact that we are the victim of suffering and at times the perpetrator. And this is why Psalm 130 says this, out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? You see the tension, the wrestle. At one level, there is real pain, real question, but there's also real honesty. My life isn't clean enough to stand as judge over God. God knows me. The only posture I can possibly take here is to kneel. It is to plead. It is to ask and beg for mercy. And we see the danger if we are totally driven by our feelings. You see, if we're driven by our feelings, it will leave you in despair because you will either minimize your role in suffering or you will minimize God's presence. You will either say, how could this happen to me? I don't deserve this. Or you will say, this is all my fault, God must hate me. What's our next move? How do we get relief? What's the next action in this wrestle? We know the source, the experience, where do we find redemption? Let's look at the redemption of our suffering. It picks up in Psalm 130 verse four. It says this, but with you there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. Do you see that? But with you there is forgiveness. For suffering to truly be redeemed. We need more than a quick fix. We need more than a healed wound. We need more than the dead back. We need the source to be dealt with. If suffering stems from sin, we need God to deal with sin. We need forgiveness, but we also need eradication. We need God to destroy sin and death if we are to have real relief. The challenge is that we are like Diggory. Why should God help us? Why would he want to? We are the ones who let the beast out of the cage. We are the ones who need to be put right. We are part of the problem of sin and death. So how would he do it? And we know, right? It was Jesus. Jesus. You see, it was in Christ that God does not just observe our suffering from his holy realm. He steps into it and he walks with us and he cries with us and he sweats with us and he bleeds with us. You see, Jesus was the only one who was in a world of sin, who became a victim of sin, but was totally innocent of it himself. He was the only one truly worthy to never suffer, but instead he took our suffering upon himself. He exchanged his life for ours, and he took all that sin, and he took all that guilt, and he took all that death, and he prayed the prayer that only we should have prayed. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that we could pray the prayer only he should have been able to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name you see when it comes to suffering we will never know why god doesn't snap his fingers and either heal us totally or wipe us off the planet but the cross is the emphatic embrace it is not because he does not care his death is the ultimate solution to our sin and death and his resurrection our only hope And this is what the psalmist is anticipating. This is how we make it through. He says, I know that despite my circumstances, you are willing to save, you are actively working, you are presently near. The psalmist always returns to this. So must we. We must never minimize feelings, nor let them eclipse the truth. We must always take a posture of surrender that leads to praise. Listen to how all of these psalms end. Psalm 130, Israel, put your hope in the Lord for with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Psalm 13, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Psalm 42, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my savior and my God. So in suffering, the psalmist approaches God on his knees, feelings in one fist, truth in the other, lifting them to God in total surrender. This must become our posture as well. And when it does, God will start resurrection The resurrection doesn't just mean God is going to bring good from his own suffering. It means he will bring good from ours. Nothing is wasted. Every moment of hardship giving way to an eternal glory that will far outweigh this present condition. Like a mother struggling through labor, there is life on the other side that will make all the pushing and pulling and struggle worth it. Not because it makes us forget the pain that we went through but because we will see the product of what God can create through it. We are resurrection people and so our suffering is never void of meaning. So in light of this, there is practical application in how we suffer. The first is this. Suffering is indicative of a world that is broken by sin It is a loud reminder that we are not home yet. And we should never become so comfortable in this world that we stop stop longing for the next one. Because our world is broken, it will sometimes break us. And it won't always be because we sinned, but because sin is all around us. Like loss of life, clinical depression, cancer, these scream for the need of rescue and resurrection. And this is what God is doing in the midst of us right here, right now. He's redeeming every part. Whatever sin attempts to break, God is now using against itself. Is the cross not the symbol of this fact? It was an execution device, but it has become a symbol of hope for billions of people all over the world because God uses sin and death against itself. That means whatever pain you may experience, God will turn to glory. And because these first two things are true, it means that we do sometimes actually have to come to the grips that suffering is the result of our sin. Sometimes a hospital visit is the result of our negligence or indulgence. Sometimes a fractured relationship is the result of our selfishness. Sometimes our anxiety and stress are a result of putting value on the created instead of the creator. But even still, even here, God does not leave us or forsake us. Even here, even still, he desires to bring beauty from ashes, forgiveness from sin, life from death. Tim Keller has said, Christ suffers not so that we won't ever suffer, but so that when we do, we will become like him. So scream and yell. Be brutally honest about your feelings. But also be brutally honest about the truth. A death cannot take what God cannot give back. We are resurrection people Today, I just wanna simply end by praying for you. For those in the room who might be experiencing suffering, I wanna pray that God comforts you in an amazing way. And for those of us who maybe aren't experiencing suffering but know people who are, I wanna pray that you would be a source of comfort. I wanna pray that God enters into suffering even now in an incredible way. Because if Psalms teaches us anything about suffering with wisdom, It is to scream our feelings, but it is to sing the truth. And that's what we get to do today, as we worship a God who is presently active in the midst, redeeming all things. And we pray, Father God, you are holy and you are good, and we pray that you would provide a comfort that only you can, that the Spirit would surround our lives, surround the brokenness and begin to use it for a good. God, we pray we could see that good, but we also pray that we could trust when we can't, when we won't be able to, until we are standing with you face to face, and we look back, and we realize that every push, every pull, every struggle was worth it all. God, we pray that we could be a source of comfort to those around us, that as resurrection people, we could begin to, have life come to bear upon this world of death right now. When people need to experience true joy and life and peace, God, we pray that we could offer them that. And your son, Jesus, and what he's paid for us on the cross, and what he's purchased for us in our future, through a life of resurrection, and more importantly, through a life with you. In your son's name, Jesus, we pray through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you stand as we sing the truth? Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christ Church, visit us online at cco.church.